this day is a day that we need to be excited. Um, back in the early part of the year, we began this journey in John, and last week we read and uh, preached, I preached from John 3.16. So say John 16, 3.16 with me together, would you please? For God so loved the world that shall not perish, but what? You guys are great. Today we focus on the rest of that story, for the tomb could not contain our Savior. He is risen. If there is ever a Sunday to get loud, today is the day to get loud. <laughs> I know you can. So sound the trumpets. Do we have, you guys play trumpet? Anybody? Yeah. Play the drums, crash the cymbals, stamp your feet. I mean, if you were at a ball game and your team won, what would you do? Woohoo! Right? Our Savior has won the victory over death for you and I. And if you can't, thank you. And I know you say he's Baptist, he's supposed to keep his hands in his pockets, you know, he starts raising them or stomping or dancing, he's gone crazy. No, this is the day to rejoice in what God has done for you and me. He's risen. The resurrection, yeah, he's risen indeed. The resurrection story is not only good news, it is the best news possible. So today, um, I want to show you, as I do often, I show you a video clip. Um, it's from Tom Hanks' movie, I think it came out a couple years ago, News of the World, in which he is playing the part of a former Civil War captain, Captain Kidd, who... In fact, those of you who haven't seen it, he mentions Castroville. He mentions some other, he comes to San Antonio. He mentions some other places. And what he's doing post-Civil War is taking East Coast newspapers, coming to small Texas towns where they either didn't get newspapers or perhaps not everybody could read, and he would read the news of the world. So it becomes both an informative as well as an entertaining event. Along the journey, he has picked up a girl that had been kidnapped by the Indians, or Native Americans, which is the way I'm supposed to say it now, and forgive me if I've said it incorrectly, but he's, been, he's rescued this girl who was abandoned at this point and is returning her to her home in Castroville. But he, along the way, he is telling these stories. A man dead and buried has risen from the grave. Three days ago in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a Mr. Alfred Blackstone of 47 years fell into a stupor. His wife called a physician, but there being no pulse, it was determined that Mr. Blackstone was most unfortunately dead. He was buried very swiftly on the grounds of the local church, where, as divine providence would have it, a wedding was due to take place the following day. <laughs> but nearing the church doors, the bride abruptly stopped. From the cemetery beyond, she had heard this inexplicable sound. The desperate, unmistakable hammering of life. In a state of frantic excitement, she ran to a nearby grave marked Alfred Blackstone. And within moments, 
the entire wedding congregation was digging. <laughs> Finally, poor Alfred Blackstone was pulled from the earth, very much alive. his widow Blackstone's embrace, Alfred turned to the groom and said, and I quote, Feller, when you get in that church and she says, till death us do part, don't you believe a word of it? <laughs> so two things he said in that that uh, resonated and Dan has told me before my mind works strangely compared to his. I heard hammerings of life. And I also heard till death do us part. I will come back to those two and hopefully be able to uh, bring those into the text uh, as we look at this passage from John, the 20th chapter, which is that familiar account of Easter morning. News of someone risen from the grave is incomprehensible. It is impossible. Yet if you know the gospel, especially the gospel of John, in John 11, Jesus is summoned by his friend's sisters because he's been ill. This man's name is Lazarus. And what happened, if you know that story? Lazarus died before Jesus got there. And Jesus calls to Lazarus in the grave, and he comes out, listen to the foreshadowing, in strips of linen with a face covering. So those of Jesus' day had already seen God's miraculous power through the Son, Jesus. And now God was once again, as Pierce highlighted this morning, showing his power for the one he sent for you and I. To have a victory over death. So if you have your Bibles, look with me please. John, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 9. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. Other gospel accounts will say there were multiple women, but stay with me. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, who we are going to presume this is John, written by the evangelist John, that he will refer to himself as the one Jesus loved. So he's personalizing it there. Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we, implying there were probably other women with her, don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter. One early church father that I stumbled across this week, and it's a name that I can't... It's a name that I had never studied in seminary, but the commentator was explaining that this church father thought that Peter was probably married. Therefore, he'd put on a little extra, excuse me, yeah, Peter had put on a little extra weight so John could outrun him. I think that's a stretch of the text. But it does show to the personalization of John being a firsthand witness to say, I outran Peter and I got there first. And reached the tomb first. Now, verse 5. He bent over, this is talking of John, and looked in at the strips of linen lying there. Same way that Lazarus was wrapped, but did not go in. 
Then Simon Peter, who's always the bold one, he was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He risked being sacrimonial unclean by being near a, a body, if that was going to be a body in there. And he saw strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. Now, the Greek word that I won't quote for you because I'd probably mispronounce it, is actually means rolled up. Could you imagine if you had something wrapped around your face and you miraculously came out of that cloth? It would still be rolled up. And that's the miraculous power of God bringing his son out of the tomb. Because you know, if the graves robbers had stole him, surely some of those cloths would be along the way. You know, so, something might have been strewn into the tomb or along the entrance to it. But John, excuse me, Peter notices that the, it was all folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. This is a powerful statement. He saw and believed. That's that Greek word pistuo, which means believe. Because I often wonder how confused they might have been. But he says, the Bible says, he saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture, though, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Let's end right there for a moment and then we'll come back to the rest of the text in a bit. Father, as we look at this passage that most of us have studied, we've heard preached, Lord, every time we go, hopefully on an Easter Sunday, some preacher, some priest, some minister, clergy person says these familiar words to us and lifts up the fact that when the women went to the grave, the stone had been rolled away. And when the disciples responded with the women, they found that your son was no longer there, that the grave could not contain him. And we celebrate that victory over death today. Help it today to speak to our hearts. Lift us up. Empower us like any other victory that our team might have had, that we would feel that same enthusiasm for our Savior today. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Bewildered to believer. Mary is bewildered, and that's a word that I don't often use. But it was about the most powerful word I could think to communicate the way she must have felt. In fact, shock might have been one, but that didn't work on my alliteration, you know, shock and belief. In it. But bewildered. She was in deep grief. She had, she had lost the one that she had served. She was confused. She went there totally expecting. Grave robbing was not uncommon in Jesus' day. Once again, thinking about the practicality of it, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had anointed, you, you see earlier in this text, 75 pounds of spices on this body of Jesus. And undoubtedly, those 75 pounds of spice were worth money. So no wonder she might have thought that someone would come and steal the spices and steal the body. She's afraid. She's confused. And runs back to tell the disciples that the body of the Savior has been stolen. Pause right there. I lost a dear friend last month. My chaplain mentor. Uh, I met him when I first came in the Air Force, even as a reservist. And we just happened to sit beside each other and we got talking cars. Could you imagine I would talk cars with a guy? And he told me how clean he liked to keep his car. So clean that whenever he went cross-country, 
he carried a bucket with him with rags and sponges because if it got too dirty along the way, he would pull over and wash his car. I said, man, you went up on me. I mean, I might wash it when I get there, but I ain't washing it along the way. We hit it off. Um, a national Baptist uh, convention chaplain. That's the African-American, larger African-American uh, form of Baptist in the United States. And John uh, welcomed and introduced me into the gospel service, both at Lackland and at Kunsan, uh, Korea. And there we led uh, the primarily African-American service many, many times together. And he had a way of proclaiming this, that in the black tradition, every preacher I ever around could say it that way, and I still will fail. But he would say, it was early in the morning. <laughs> and when he said, early in the morning, it set the tone. It was like the chicken screaming to wake you up. And I thought, you know, that was always a neat thing. If we had a showtime for, you know, showtime, not as in music, but like a, for some sort of deployment, it'd be early in the morning, Cliff. Get out there early in the morning and meet those troops. And we'd go out and do ministry, gripping and grinning as chaplains would do. But I realize now some 30 years past that, with a new emotion as I reflect on my friend, that the message of Christ came, yes, early in the morning, by why Mary was still in the midst of darkness. When it was yet dark, God was at work in Mary's behalf. He was making a way when there appeared to be no way. When she was there, have no doubt, when things get tough, and they will for each of you, it doesn't mean that God has left you or abandoned you or someone has stolen him away. But when darkness comes upon you, God is still working on your behalf. We read that she didn't leave. You know, she, I mean, she went and got the disciples. They came back. They noticed they look in. John believes Peter. We're not really sure. You know, it's not an indictment against Peter, but it doesn't say that Peter believed. But they leave and go home. Mary stays. She didn't deny him. She remained faithful, waiting to see the light that God would bring into her dark world. I've been a pastor long enough to know that there's at least one person on every pew in here that is suffering in silence. You're in a dark place today, and you came to see the light. You came to shout, thank you, Lord, for your victory over death. Rich or poor, we all will carry a bag of rocks. You remember the sermon illustration I gave a few months ago about the guys? Everybody got a bag of rocks. It's according to whether you let a, cut a hole in the bottom of that bag if you're going to carry those rocks. But so many of us want to carry those rocks around. Let's begin with the real issue that we all face. And I think that real issue, you know, there's a lot of things we could talk about. Death is an issue for our culture. We don't even talk about death, remember? I've heard comedians talk about this. We say, he passed or she passed, no longer with us. 
gone on. Because death is so raw, De dead. It's over unless you have faith in Jesus Christ because this life is just the stepping stone to the next life through Christ Jesus. Death is a fact and we must face it. And our Christian faith is based on Christ's resurrection. Pierce drove it home today. He confirmed the very passage that I wanted to use, 1 Corinthians 15, 17, where Christ says, Paul says, if Christ has not been raised, I think King James, that's the way I memorize it, our faith has been in vain. And I think if you can take that concept, in other words, if Christ did not come back from the dead, what are you doing here? We're just having a good talk, you know. We got entertained by Cliff again on another Sunday, you know. He, he asked, you know, go do this. But if you don't believe that Jesus came back from the dead, we're wasting our time. And, and where I want to go a moment further, and if you believe that and you're not telling anybody else about it, you have robbed Christ of something. Because you have been given this gift of eternal life. And it is our responsibility as his followers to be involved and engaged in the great commission of telling others about Jesus. Well, you may feel like you're alone and still in the darkness on this Easter morning, but don't feel alone or abandoned. You have not been abandoned by God. If you feel bewildered, trust in the resurrection and become a believer. Mary sees the same thing that Peter and John sees, but in this account only does John give himself the kudos of being a believer after seeing. Perhaps it's some foreshadowing of what he's going to say later on that Jesus says back to the disciples, you have seen and you believe, but blessed are those who believe but yet have not seen. Peter and John go back home, and in verse 10, Mary stays bewildered, trusting, hoping, and wanting to believe in Jesus. So now let's, let's pick up the story there at verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? It's the same, same as verse 13. Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. You now she's in this garden. She says, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him, recognizing his voice, obviously, and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers. First time in Scripture we see brothers and sisters, I think that term used, my brothers, and tell them, I am, and it makes sense because of the rest of the rest of this verse, I am returning to my Father and your father, to my God and your God. Through faith in him, we become brothers and sisters of the father, children of the father. 
Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them, told them that he had said these things to her. So the next thing, the last thing I'd like us to consider is doubt and darkness to delight. In those familiar verses, we see how Mary mistook Jesus for a gardener. She cries out, if they, they've taken him, and, and if you know where he is, let me know, I'll, I'll, I'll go get him. And then he calls her by name. If you would reread that passage and insert your name, why are you crying, man? Why are you crying, woman? Well, I don't know what to do. I'm in the darkness. And then say, Cliff, Bob, Nick. I can start going down. Everybody, does he know everybody's name in here? Just the ones who are sleeping, and that's why I have this. Oh, man, everybody's eyes are open now. But if you could think of it that way, the Lord knows you. And when you are struggling, if you will listen, he is calling out to you and calling you by name. Trust in me. And then your darkness and your doubt can turn to delight. In the garden, I was going to, I think that we, we were talking about all the old times. I wanted to sing. I'm going to sing it. Up from the grave he arose with the mighty triumph for his foes. That's a triumph, not a triumph. That's a motorcycle. He arose. Yeah. But another one like that, and I've, I've heard this, at, and I think we've played it probably at a hundred different funerals I've done over the years, in the garden. I come to the garden alone, while the dew is on the roses, and the I hear calling the sun. Okay, so you got it. So... So a hundred years ago when I'm pastoring this church in Illinois before I came in the Air Force, and I've told this to probably a lot of Sunday nights, Bob was the pianist at the nursing home. Bob had been an Air Force pilot in Korea. And I think Bob had a little bit too much flight time without oxygen. But Bob could play the piano. And we would start off, I come to the garden and by about the fourth verse, I come to the garden alone. And he can't wait to get it done because he, after we left, I think they got cookies and milk and something else. He, he could play that song so fast. And every time I think of it, I smile because whether I am walking, crawling, or running, he's with me. Whether I'm in a nursing home or in preschool, he'll be with you. Whether you're out working in the yard or working the job that you keep saying, why am I working this job? Not me, I, mean, I just want you to know. But he's still saying, I'm with you. And he's calling you by name. Verse 19, we see that Mary returns to the disciples with great news. I have seen the Lord. Now, at least she would have had John in his belief to be able to help give her a little credibility. But if you add those two points together that I've tried to get you to think about today, you will have believer's delight. And that's what a risen Savior, that's what an empty grave means for you and I today. It is believer's delight. That this world may claim the body, but the soul will go on and be in eternity with our Savior, Jesus. Hallelujah. The stone has been rolled away. Now, I almost 
called uh, Pierce or Dan this week because uh, I, well, actually, I guess it would have been last night because I thought of this. And I was like, I'll include that. Do you remember, were you guys here when we did, we had a group from UTSA that came. They were some kind of pre-med type majors, and they wanted to teach us a little bit about CPR. Anybody, it was during refuel one night, and we had, it was after the meal, after the prayer time, and these, these college students with, with a doctor who was their, kind of their mentor, and they taught us all how to do CPR, and some of them, some of us already had CPR training. I have never, I want you to know, I was a lifeguard back when I, high school and post high school, and I pulled a couple kids out, but I never had to do CPR. I've never done it. Anybody here, I know I've got medical folks, I've got nurses, I've got doctors, yeah, some of you have done CPR. When that person, I, I'm imagining if that person starts breathing or go, uh, you know, comes back, what an exciting, don't forget I got Bronco stuff for you. I just saw you. So she's like, what is he going on to point me out? Um, that excitement to be involved in, in helping someone regain consciousness, come back to life, etc., however you want to say that, has got to bring a joy, if you were successful in your CPR attempt, to you like none of, nothing else. So hold that thought and say, if you will simply share the gospel of Jesus with someone, it is better than CPR because this life is going to end. You might bring them back with CPR today, but in six months, six years, 60 years from now, they may go. And if they've never heard the good news of Jesus, they will be separated from him for eternity. Believers delight Imagine the delight in sharing the best news imaginable to a lost person. In the video clip, I pulled out two phrases. Hammerings of life. That's what we do when we share the good news. We're talking, we're making noise, we are making percussion sounds. How about that? I played drums in school. Not very good, I told you that. We are making hammerings of life everlasting life in a world of darkness, in a world that is lost, short of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as you work as a Christian, as you share the good news, you become like Mary, being a missionary, sharing with the world in which we live that I serve a risen Savior, and I know that he back, came back from the grave, and I know that through faith in him, you can have life everlasting. Now, some of you um, say, well, I, yeah, that's all good, Cliff, but, you know, I, I, that's for preachers, that's for missionaries, that's maybe for the deacons, you know. No, no. How many of you know the Heimlich Maneuver? Some of us probably eat too much, and we should know the Heimlich Maneuver. But there's not a one of you that if you saw somebody choking at your home, in, in Henley Hall, at a restaurant, if you knew that maneuver, you would put your arms around that person and try to help them, you know, dislodge whatever was choking them. So why won't you do something with the gospel? Why won't you put your arms around a lost person and say, God loves you? God loves you. I think it's Romans. Did you quote Romans 8 too today, Pierce? Is it Romans 8 that says, what can separate us from the love of God? Nothing, basically. If you read, I think it's about 26 or 27 down through like 35 or whatever. Nothing can separate us 
from the love of God. That ought to bring believers delight. Not this grave, not the bad times you go through, not the darkness that you may feel like you're in today. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that's that second thing. I like how that, that man who came back in that story came back you know, out of the grave. Don't believe a word of it when she says, till death do us part. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. Not the grave, not the bad times that you have. Because God's love for you is eternal through his son, Jesus Christ. So, there it is, God's love. He's here now, whether you want to admit it or not. And he knows your name. No matter how deep you feel the darkness of your life situation right now, he's calling to you. Listen for your voice. Listen, for he's calling today. He says, begin this new life with me. I'll bring you through the darkness because I am the light of the world. He is risen. Samuel, please, we pray. Father, as we come now to a time in this service, that if there's someone here who feels like they are in the darkest states of their life, I mean... They feel like nothing has gone right, wrong, right, and they, they feel like whatever they do is wrong. And, and Lord, they just need some help, and they need to feel a, a release of the burden that they're carrying. I pray that this would be the moment in which they come and leave their rocks of burden here at the altar. Or perhaps they've never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. They'd come and confess that Jesus is Lord and that they believe that this resurrection message that we proclaim today is true and that your love is forever. So Lord, let us be delightful believers because you loved us. Let us show our love to you each and every day. Every day should be Resurrection Sunday because you're alive and each day you show us new things about yourself. Right now, Lord, if there's someone here who needs to make a decision for you, you know their hearts. Let them hear your voice for your calling out right now. This I ask in Jesus' name.